This is Anne. And this is Malia. And we are the Royal Subjects. Well, it's 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 been a minute. I think I probably said that the last time you recorded too. It's been a very busy late summer, early fall, is what I would call it. Kind of hard. Kind of hard on a lot of levels, even though things are, are getting back to action. Um, you know, sometimes, you know, you can only do so many stories at once, but, you know, we'll pick back up. Um, but you know what? We reached 2,000 uh, downloads on Yay. our podcast without any any interaction with the public. And that's what matters. <laughs> I would love to have 2,000 episodes with zero interaction and criticism from the public. That's that a real goal. 30,000 and have to deal with people's uh, opinions all the time. Yeah, so please keep downloading, but then don't interact with us in any way. (laughs) (laughs) That didn't sound right. No. But it's it's great. It's deeply appreciated. And we promise not to interact either. (laughs) Yeah, we're former PR people promising you we do not want to engage the public. (laughs) Because we know how to do it and we don't want to do it anymore. Because other than the lovely people who listen, the rest of the public is just, uh. Yeah. They took the time to listen. I boosted a couple posts. That helps a little here and there. But I think I'm done boosting now. <coughs> if you want to know who we are, we're out there. We're all subjects. Um, I always love how there are like 20 different shows called The Royal Beat. Are there, are there really? Yeah. Like some, like it's a beat, you know, like you follow the royals everywhere. It's not really like that anymore. Like like what is the royal beat like you read their where they were this week that's what we do i know i mean that's just a google (laughs) it's a google if you want to like you know read the you know the daily calendar or the engagement calendar that's really ambitious but then you'd find out that princess anne went to go open up a bottling company in lancashire and uh the daily press announcement Um, so one big part of the news in the past couple of weeks has been the Queen's health, Queen Elizabeth of England. And of course, because she is, um, a nonagenarian and her, her husband died, uh, just last spring and at a very, you know, old age and like her, you know, they've been pretty robust in doing what they want to do at Windsor and going to engagements that they want to do. And so I think a down ticket engagements when you're 95 during a pandemic, is just like, okay, but we, we uh, reposted a podcast we did a year ago on the protocols to expect when the queen dies. And it's actually very interesting because it talks about how the BBC has very special uh, arrangement of, of what they will do. What could they have a reserve of clothes for presenters? You got to go put this tie on now. We got to play this music. They've got it all queued up. And so those things will happen. They're already in place, y'all, whether you like it or not. It doesn't I, mean wishing her dead, anything but. Yeah, I mean, and if we learn anything from the funeral of Prince Philip, it's not like this is a shock. They are very actively involved in this. We didn't like ruin the surprise for her or anything like that. I'm sure Prince Charles has already started farming organic flowers just for this occasion that he picked and grew with the, you know, dry hugo culture or whatever to make sure that they're just right. Do you think he really just tells you about that if you like, you know, are in conversation with him? He seems to me like someone who would like explain. He's an explainer. 
Well, they're just like us. Uh, <laughs> we all know <laughs> the Prince of Wales has been a steadfast and outspoken proponent of environmentally conscious living and causes. And last week, he proved once again that the royals, they are just like us. By telling a journalist that his priceless Aston Martin is in fact running on cheese and wine byproducts and not gasoline. So there you go. He's just like me. I too run on cheese and wine byproducts. <laughs> I guess we should just be glad that Charles never took up CrossFit. Or we would just never <laughs> hear the end of it. <laughs> yes, you like my trainers. They're from rubber from Belize, formerly British Honduras, that was ethically sourced and and massaged by sloths into the form of a sneaker. What you've got to do is you've got to get that like functional workout in. <laughs> God. Sorry. Smoothies, you know, the smoothies he'd have that were raised oh in the <laughs> From my hedge in Cornwall, yeah. <laughs> okay. okay. So, anyway. <laughs> so uh, we did repost about uh, the Queen's funeral protocols in case anything happens fast. Um it's really quite fascinating and it will be elaborate. I think what we posited last year was that with lockdown as it was, that maybe it would be mostly closed circuit like it was for Prince Philip. But I'm I'm guessing now that would be modified. It yeah, it seems yeah. like we're pandemic, but yeah. Yeah. It, I don't think it would be as strict at least. I think if you're gonna go pay respects or, or something at, at the palace or um, at a cathedral, then you just mask up and wait in line. Yeah, um, which of course, just for those who didn't catch it before, is not something we were hoping that happens. We we're just speculating. Yeah, we're just spec not even speculating. We were reporting fact. That's true. So, um, <clears throat> okay, let's move on to more juicy. No, that's that. That's not. Yeah, let's get the, the county of Wessex has. Um, <laughs> really held forth this year, past year or two, uh, since the Queen has taken on further things. She's been a great support to the Queen. But also, notably, uh, in the past couple of weeks, she has been mentioning menopause in public speech. So, Okay, yeah, so maybe juicy wasn't the right word. No, no. As a segue on this particular segment. <laughs> Not since Prince Charles's tampon gate have we had the pleasure of discussing the royal family and their moon time. Royals are just like us. <laughs> She did a speech, I believe, I think, I think it was for a mental, uh, emotional health charity where she was talking about that people tell us, and she, she said it like this in the speech that we're going to start bleeding. I'm like, no one said it to me like that. But what? then um, yeah, they, when we were young women, they tell us we will start bleeding, but they don't tell us what happens when we stop. Um. I appreciate that. I, I appreciate that, especially since there are many places in the world and many places in their own commonwealth where it's still very taboo for women to be able to even talk about it, um, let alone aging women. But all right, fine. I just remember watching her wedding not so long ago, and now she's like 50-something and talking about menopause. But that means I am too. So, eh. Okay. So they've gone through death and menopause. Let's see what's next. Um, oh, legal problems. This is all real-life stuff, people. <laughs> um, <laughs> Prince Andrew is in big legal and PR mess of his own making. Now, we all know that. We all yes. know that. Um, while Royal Subjects does not have an opinion on a legal case until and if 
all the facts are presented in court, we definitely have an issue with his public relations and attitude. So first knowing what Epstein was up to, to a certain extent, and then evading a subpoena behind palace doors that no regular people would ever have the opportunity to hide behind, sending out public attacks against the accuser, just and just like the premise, like using his royal status to evade and block. Well, nobody likes it when rich people do this. So it's really bad PR. He should have stayed just quiet if he was going to do anything at all. Uh, so backseat PR, remember that? It's back. Yes. Quietly from behind closed doors and no comments to the press, please. If you don't do what you're being accused of, if you did not do this, you're making it worse. And if you did do this, you're attacking a victim of a sex crime. And that's really not any kind of way to live. So, boo. The bottom line is, the public response, its tone, it's entirely optional. You don't have to say anything. It's pretty clear that you're not going to evade the wrath of your royal superiors like your brother and your nephew, regardless. No more cherry appointments, less allowance in your piggy bank, and you don't get to wear your tricked out military uniforms anymore. That's over. It's done. If you're going to be behind bars, you might as well be on castle windows in the comfort of your royal abode at Windsor. So we all know he's never going to go to prison. So just take that off your imaginary legal table. It's not going to happen. Tasteful discretion. Right. If you don't have anything like useful to say, don't say anything. So. Yes, there's, there's our free advice. <laughs> there's our free advice. Um, and ha there's happier York news. House of York. Princess Beatrice had a baby girl. She named her Sienna Elizabeth Mapelimozzi. Oh. But she did name her Sienna like the crayon color and not the city. There's two ends in it. Oh, well, that is disappointing. I was disappointed. I'm like, he's, a, he's from Tuscany. Or his family's from Tuscany. He's not. But two's two ends. Anyway, it sounds oh. very nice. Well, let's just take another moment to appreciate that she married a hottie. Yeah, he's pretty hot. Yeah. Well <laughs> done. Funny. Yes. He was, uh, <laughs> see, Sienna was born in London on September 21st. And as of right now, does not hold a royal title in England, even though she'll be in that circle for the rest of her life. But she does have a title in her father's ancestral homeland, Italy, more specifically Tuscany. She'll be a Contessa or Nobile Donna, which means a noblewoman. So she'll be Contessa Siena Mapelimozzi. I love it. See, yeah, I think Contessa is definitely one of the better titles as a woman to have i actually like it better than princess it has a more of a you know i might be wearing fantastic clothing feel to yes. it you know <laughs> contessa she has great shoes yes <laughs> or a baroness you know like yeah oh baroness well you know it's slightly afraid but still fascinating yeah. <laughs> but does, i mean we everyone thinks of the baroness from sound of music when you think when you say baroness right uh, yeah baroness um schrader that's it she had great clothes, though. Oh, and that wonderful chignon. She yes. was very patrician. Yes. So, yes, by all means, be a baroness or a contessa if you can at all manage to do so. Plus, she hung out with that total queen, Uncle Max, who we all love. Like, they, they were always hanging out together. So, you know, her you life was so good. I can't even really so blame good. her for wanting to send the children off to boarding school. I think that was no, kind of a gonna, rational choice. Yeah, I'm going to be here in my lake, my, my lake mansion with Uncle Max. You know, She's the secret time. hero because she knew, like, you can't trust the nanny. <laughs> Okay, women, you tell us that we're wrong about that. Yeah, like, oh, no, please keep your young blonde nanny. That's a good idea. Yes. <laughs> so, no, no, it's okay. Yourself. She used to be a nun. Whatever. Oh, and the children love her. We can't get rid of her. Oh, yes, we can. Ask Princess Diana about that. Boarding school. 
Yeah. <laughs> Off to Alaska Military School. Off. <laughs> Every last one of you. <laughs> okay. So I have to get my Terry Mugler suit fitted today and I don't have time to drive you all to school. All right. So <laughs> um, there have been a couple of like Euro big royal weddings. I think now the things have opened up again. Everybody's having their big flashy weddings. We talked about one in Vienna um, this summer. But this uh, this past month, uh, Prince J Jamie, he might be Jaime. I don't know. But Jem, I know. <laughs> Prince Jamie. <laughs> My ex called his name Jamie. So I'm just Prince James Jaime of the two Sicilies. So oh, more it really could be anything. Jaime. Yeah. I, <laughs> just, <laughs> that makes it sound like a shampoo. <laughs> For lustrous locks. <laughs> oh, Jaime. By Prince Matabelli. Um <laughs> It's been a while, guys. <laughs> okay. So I had to understand why the two Sicilies is even considered a thing now. It's not like Prince Hajime of, you know, Italy or <laughs> or even yeah. a, the two Sicilies. I mean, the two Sicilies is always one of those things that you get wrong on that European history test because you're too busy trying to remember French kings. You're like, oh, you're Shoot, like, I forgot about the kingdom of the two Sicilies. Sicilies? Yeah. <laughs> There are two Sicilies. That's Sardinia, and that's Sicily. See? Yeah, plus the, only the one Sicily. <laughs> it's one Sicily. Um, you can't fool us, Jamie. <laughs> Jamey, Jamey. I just met a man named Jamey. Um, according to the U.S. State Department's Office of the Historian, now what a great job that would be. Well, maybe not, but pretty cool. That sounds cool. Sounds cool. The State Department's Office of the Historian. The story is this behind his title and its provenance. When the United, I'm going to have to just read this to you guys. When the United States declared independence from Great Britain in 1776, the kingdoms of Naples and Sicily were independent and sovereign states. After 1734, they shared the same ruler and were governed by the Bourbon family, Bourbon family. Um, after Napoleon's rise to power, the Italian peninsula was invaded by the French in 1799. The Bourbons fled to the island of Sicily. Under Napoleon, the kingdom of Naples was ruled first by Napoleon's brother, Joseph, and then Napoleon's brother-in-law, Joaquin Murat. Is that the same guy in the painting, The Death of Murat, or is that Murat? That's Murat. He was a, uh, uh, Poet. Well, among, he died in the bathtub. Right. <laughs> <laughs> this is Joaquin Murat, M-U-R-A-T. Yeah, that's M-A-R-A-T. He that's died right. in the bathtub. Look at how smart we are. Okay. Despite <laughs> a little art history in there for you, too. Uh, despite the fall of Napoleon in 1814, Murat stuck a deal with the Austrians, not the Asturians. I have to make sure I read this right. The Austrians, and thus retained his position. Yet, as the Congress of Vienna began that year, Murat doubted that the Austrians would stand by their pledge to allow him to remain on the throne. Ever the opportunist, Marat reconciled with Napoleon and thus benefited from Napoleon's return to power. On March 15, 1815, in the attempt to maintain power, Marat called the Italians together in a war of national independence. The surge of patriotism that he expected failed to materialize. And though Marat invaded the peninsula for as far north as the Po region, he eventually was defeated early in May of 1815. 
On May 22, 1815, he renounced the throne of the Kingdom of Naples and rule by the Bourbons was restored to the kingdom. When Ferdinand of Bourbon regained his throne in Naples, he decided to consolidate his holdings and out of the two kingdoms of Naples and Sicily, he created a kingdom of the two Sicilies. But there's still only the one Sicily, no matter what he said. (laughs) The King of Naples recognized the United States in 1796, and diplomatic relations between the two countries were established in 1832. Listen to that. Okay. During the process of the Risorgimento in 1860 to 61, the monarchy in Naples and Sicily was toppled and incorporated into the Kingdom of Italy under King Victor Emmanuel II. So fast forward time machine to 2021, their descendant gets married. And it's a big wedding, um, like glamorous wedding. <laughs> so that's that. I like the European royals. They really have that whole, they don't drag down the royalty thing with that whole responsibility and duty and civic, you know, pride thing. They just oh yeah, just no, go no. about spending money and spend it all. Spend yeah. it all. And do it in the south of France or do it like on, on an island off of Italy in a little church, but with like the biggest throwdown ever. So, you know, there was another wedding of Princess Marie Astrid of Liechtenstein. She married oil heir Rafe Worthington. Listen Rafe to that. Worthington. Rafe Worthington. <laughs> he was, he had a cameo on Dynasty. <laughs> That's what I was just thinking. He sounds like he's like, my name is Rafe Worthington. But, you know, I'd like you, give in mind your others. Give in mind your others. I'd rather party at these Euro royal weddings than, you know, like, oh, definitely. We're less scripted. Security is easier. Ostentation is merely a matter of taste. Right. Oh, definitely. Plus, <laughs> like, you know, no one gets all mad in like, her comments if you make a funny joke about Jamie of the Two Sicilies. <laughs> no <laughs> one's like, will Jamie of the Two Sicilies remake the monarchy? Like, who cares? We don't care. Yeah. <laughs> but invite us if you're going to do it. Definitely. Jamie, <laughs> come on. <laughs> I or Jamie, to- or however you like to say it. <laughs> You go to jamais, jamais. <laughs> so if you, if you had to go to one of these royal weddings, like if you went to like a William and Kate royal wedding, you have to wear like ooh, a coat dress and a hat. Oh my God, yes. A round hat of some sort, right? And yeah. then for these, you can wear like a full ass Oscar de la Renta silk frill out and stilettos, right? And like the party will probably last. I mean, no brainer. Like for one, you have to go find a ridiculous hat. <laughs> <laughs> no, he looks stupid in. I went in the other Oscar de la Renta and stilettos, and go to Monaco today, and then to the wedding in Vienna tomorrow. Like I'm cool with that. I mean, I'm assuming there are like race car drivers at the one. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like, like the it's bar, a no contest. The open bar. It would be just divine to people watch at it, and you know. So the royal pro- royal subjects private jet. Yes, that's ours. It's always waiting. We just love an invite. That's right. Right. A lovely set of steak knives for your present or something of that nature. (laughs) And we'll sew you a quilt. It's like... (laughs) Money is no object up to about $180. Yeah. Did you see any Le Creuset over at TJ Maxx? I think I saw it last month. (laughs) Is it okay if there's a slight ding in the lid? I think I got a La Perla thong once at a TJ Maxx, but like I could see why nobody wanted it. <laughs> like, well, this is a lot of ornamentation. It's a little uncomfortable. <laughs> Do you want to sit on 
a beaded thong. I can understand why these didn't take off. <laughs> so here we are, TJ Maxx at the mini mall. Okay, so um, I have, uh, I'm, I'm going to turn it over to you for some other royal news, and then we will go into history, and then our topic of the day, which is Diana, Diana, Diana. The musical. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so I only have two little little tidbits of news. Um, first off, much to uh, all us of us on the royal beats disappointment, uh, Albert and Prince Charlene of Monaco did not make some sort of press announcement admitting that the whole I'm still in South Africa thing is a giant smokescreen and that there's some sort of horrible scandal brewing. Instead, they merely were like, oh, yes. So in case she's she's coming home soon, which has been what we've heard the whole time, in case you are, uh, you know, don't remember the details. What happened is that there has been this for strangely, Princess Charlene has been in South Africa for months and her home country, whereas Albert has been in Monaco or traveling or whatever. And so have the children. And so there was this whole, like, why isn't she there? Why didn't she go home? Um, and it's presumably because she had developed an infection, um, uh, ear, nose, throat kind of thing, and couldn't fly. And she did actually have to get emergency surgery in September and has recovered. And they say that she shall be, she's expected back in Monaco uh, by mid-November, hopefully in time for various celebrations Um that or take place there. I think it's their like national day or something like that. Um, so there have been, as there often are with uh, the Monegasque <laughs> uh, <laughs> family, uh, various scandals. There is some woman who's uh, claiming that uh, she has an illegitimate <laughs> child by Albert. And so there's that going on. There's the whole, ooh, maybe they're having a divorce. One of Albert's ex-girlfriends, who he does have a child with, has been, you know, claiming that, you know, Charlene is a mean stepmother. And so there's been this sort of low-level roiling scandal the whole time that kind of fed into the maybe they're going to get a divorce kind of thing but albert and charlene have been very stalwart and like no she's just sick she misses the children she's coming home you can so. imagine not being with your twin five-year-olds or you know they, they were with her when they went to go visit her family last year yeah, I mean, I think in our defense, like, it kind of boggles the mind that if you are a royal of Monaco, that you might end up not being able to go back because you can't get on a plane. Like, there are other modes of transportation. It just seems like, really? She can't go back? Send a boat. Send a boat. Yeah, they have there boats. Lots of boats. There are lots of boats in Monaco Harbor. I've seen them. Yes, I've seen pictures. They have <laughs> boats. They're by the sea. And South Africa is too. It's all very confusing. But that's their story and they're sticking to it. So it would be irresponsible to suggest that there's some sort of trouble in paradise there. And but, maybe she's, you know, because despite her shaving her hair, despite her disappearing for a year, despite her that. looking like she just needs to blink when she wants to say, help me get out of here, blink, 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 in all of her pictures, there's nothing wrong. Maybe she's not a bad stepmother. Maybe she's just like Baroness Schrader. <laughs> yes, exactly. Although the head shaving thing, I mean, really, it is international female code for, wow, I'm pretty pissed off about that. So. <laughs> exactly. 
so yeah. it is it is excusable that this is where one's minds go but anyway yes. that's the that's the latest on them and then the other thing is princess mako of japan has married her college sweetheart uh and it has caused a a bit of a stir the extent that you get a stir in the Japanese royal news, this is the, about as big as your stir can get. So um, they've actually been engaged for quite some time. And he's a commoner. So that's a, a issue. And so she has to, you can't, she, he can't be part of the family. You marry a commoner, you basically step out of the family. Plus they have that whole male only primogenitor thing going so it's not Every like she story was we talk about about japan brings that primogenitor yeah it's it's definitely like the central part of any <laughs> everything so she you know people have been trying to connect her story you know she married for love she married her college boyfriend he's just a commoner which makes it sound like really you know this nobody although it should be mentioned that he's been going to law school in new york and just pass the bar. So it's and not he's like working at a big firm. Yeah. Yeah, he's working at a big firm. So it, it's not like he she married a street sweeper. Not that there's anything wrong about marrying a street sweeper, but the, the amount of scandal when it's just sort of a normal thing. It's, it's one of those white shoe uh law firms. Law firms. And she has plenty of money. So the, the So yeah, she's she stepped down from the royal family. She refused a something like one point three million dollar payment. Um because, or $1.23 million that she was going to be paid for leaving the royal family because she just refused it because she was kind of pissed about the whole, how, yeah, how controversial it was that she was going to marry uh, her fiancé. They had a very quiet, um, quiet mar- wedding, and she they're moving back to New York. Uh, where they just, she keeps, she's also press. She just wants to have a very quiet, uh, you know, normal life. Oh, also noted, he was among the many people who did not get his haircut from, during COVID. And so when he <laughs> went to Japan for like the whole wedding thing, their, their wedding had to be put off for years. So they finally get married just very recently. And um, he gets off the plane and he had a ponytail. And that was, oh, my God, like <laughs> that was a very big deal. And there's so much there was so much drama and controversy about her marrying a ponytailed commentator. I mean, commoner. Commoner, commentator. No, we're the commentator. Sorry, I'm the commentator. Um, <laughs> so much controversy about wearing her wearing a ponytailed commoner, commoner that it actually she had a strut like she had to be treated for like the stress of it all. Um, so. Yeah. That is, uh, poor thing. But she, they're they're headed back to New York and to have a quiet life and one I assume that does not involve a Netflix deal. And that's uh, all I will say about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I you know, um, I I have to say something I heard on the news this morning. I mean, like the news, news, you know, like AP Reuters news. Um, I was reading it this morning when I get up, as I always do, and that Megan, Duchess of Sussex, has been calling United States senators. She is a U.S. citizen. You know, she pays taxes, I guess, and all that. So, but she has been lobbying, and she got from other senators the private phone numbers 
of like Susan Collins and some other senators to pressure them about the child care part of the bill that's just being passed, family leave bill rather. And um, as we know in England, there's good reason is to keep, make sure the monarchy doesn't get toppled, uh, that they don't get involved in politics. Yeah. And so I know she's a US citizen, but she also keeps wanting to say she's Duchess and S Susan Collins, that picture, okay, I'm sorry. Envision in your head Susan Collins' voice saying this, if you've heard it before, <laughs> that Meghan Markle called her and introduced her on her private number and introduced herself as Meghan, Duchess of Sussex, and I want to talk to you about family leave. Now, why would you just call yourself the Duchess of Sussex? She's like, she's like, actually, I was more concerned about what people in Maine are thinking. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, she's walking a very dangerous line because America will decide that you're a royalty or a celebrity, yeah. but you don't really get to stay both. I think Netflix, Netflix deal, the Hollywood life, all of that, you've made your choice. Yeah. And um, the, the respect and consideration you get because we are, you know, we have this affection for the British Royals, especially will dissipate if you're perceived as not really being one, like you given, like if she really gave it up and you're going to just be a regular celebrity, then you're going to end up being treated like a regular celebrity. Yeah. Back, backseat PR part two. <laughs> yes. You call and you say, you call your, your California Senator and you say, as this is Megan Markle. You may have heard of me. I'm really glad I could talk to you. Senator so-and-so gave me your number, and I'm calling today as a resident of California to talk to you about family leave. Yeah, that and then you might say, more. if that conversation goes well, hey, would you like to, you know, I'd be happy to come and talk to you and some of your colleagues if you think this would be something they'd be interested in. Mm -hmm. What you don't do is start randomly calling various members of Congress. Because, calling them and call, saying this is the Duchess of Sussex. Because it's not a win for them. There's no no reason. There's no pro to it coming out that, yes, as a senator from Maine, you were like, yeah, I decided to like change my mind based on the Duchess of Sussex. Yeah. <laughs> they have they have their own PR. That be her talking points that she got from the organization she works with. Like it, it's actually kind of a breathtakingly naive in some ways. Um, and that's just, you know, now you're getting the, not the backseat PR people exactly, but the, we've lived in Washington for a very long time. people. <laughs> now you're getting barstool politics. Yeah. And it's, <laughs> it's a club. It's its own club. And it's just as mean as the other club that like, it's, it's a mean exclusive club, like all mean exclusive clubs. <laughs> and it has its own rules. And if you kind of walk over it, here's the thing about DC politics. Here's my free advice, Megan, and anyone else like this. Everyone will act really, really nice to you. And you will have no idea that you royally screwed up. <laughs> the you will have no idea until a, a book 10 years later, and then you'll be all curled up about it. Yep. <laughs> and everyone will kind of like the whole time, you know, like yeah. Yes, the stories will like circulate, but no one will tell you that they, you know, because everyone's hoping you'll give them money. <laughs> well, when money starts flowing from Archwell Pack to like uh, 
to political things, I think that's when it's time to not have a royal title anymore. Oh, yes. I do think that, that it's, I guess there's enough American in me to be like, wow, that is actually kind of icky. Yeah, it's pretty icky. Yeah. If you can just say it's Meghan Markle, people are like, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, they know who you are. <laughs> Speaking of icky, by the way, I, I know you've got some icky for us in the history part, Thank you. right? Thank you for getting me out of that. All right. Because <laughs> <laughs> we could just go on for hours and hours. And we yeah. um, but we don't have hours and hours because I have to clean out my storage room today. <laughs> I know, and I have to pick up my son from the SAT. So moving on. <laughs> start. Okay. <laughs> So uh, in our last episode, we talked about Frederick the Fat surgery, and we'd hoped to do like a pre-Halloween gross out episode like we did last year. And no, we weren't going to talk about Madame Bathory, which everyone tells us, oh, you should do what a Madame Bathory. I'm like, everyone does a podcast. Everyone does that one. So anyway, we talked about Frederick the Fat, and um, he had this before like a year before his death he had this amputation done on his leg for an abscess and you know the reason this is notable is because it kept saying in every source i was reading on wikipedia and history sources and smithsonian that he had like the most well-documented amputation in medieval times for primary source could i find it no i don't know where it is i promised you guys and i failed to deliver on my promise that I would read the description in medieval language for you. So um, he ruled, okay, so let's go back, but I, I did find out some more information for you. So um, Frederick the Fat was the Habsburg Holy Roman Emperor. He was the first Habsburg Holy Roman Emperor who ruled from 1452 to 1493. Um, I haven't had any luck finding what I was looking for, but lucky listeners. Uh-huh. I did find a painting of the amputation. <laughs> That's <laughs> leg. enough. <laughs> and it is called, quote, the leg amputation of Frederick III, unquote. So I like it when the painting name is just direct like that. Yeah, it's not abstract art. <laughs> it's, it's what you see is what you get. It was painted in 1492. The artist is unknown. So since I cannot show it to you, allow me to describe the painting to you. There are six men in black and red caps standing right behind Frederick, okay? Their arms are folded and they look like they're about to like drop a new like rap track or something, you know? They're like, they're, they're like, you know? But some are wearing black hats and some are wearing red hats and that probably means something. Maybe the red ones are his sons. So, <laughs> um, so the amputee king is seated wearing fancy robes and he's wearing his crown. Like while he's having amputation, he's wearing like fancy velvet robes and his crown. And I got a good look at the chair. It's nice wooden one, not a throne. And his still attached leg is there in front of him on a stool. And the feet and toes are blackened with dead flesh, which is, I guess, resting for back of a litter were, you know, on the stool, this leg. And then there's a woman, maybe it's his last wife, maybe a daughter is holding his hand. And um, <laughs> kneeling at the stool are two men, each holding the end of a saw. And Frederick's eyes are rolling back into his head. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, that probably wasn't funny for him, but wow. No. <laughs> so for those who'd like to take a gander at this in person, the painting is housed at the Albertina in Vienna, or you can Google it. 
And that's my description of the amputation of Frederick the Fat, since I was not um, given the satisfaction of finding a primary source about it. Well, I mean, I think that's, I mean, I doubt that there was actually a painter there, but to the extent one could trust it, I feel like you wouldn't take that many liberties with your amputation painting. Maybe the crown, or maybe maybe he was just like, keep the crown, or maybe it was like Trump, you know, like, I'm not going to be... I'm not going to let my son be king for four hours while I'm getting my amputation. Keep that crown on my head. <laughs> Hold it on if you have to. Keep the crown on my head. At it. <laughs> you really have to wonder about the like process of events that led to this painting. <laughs> I know. I will commission a painting of this fortuitous event. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> It just really, like, really drives home that, you know, even in the past, people had a lot of free time. <laughs> <laughs> and they have so much free time now that they are completely and really, in some cases, pathetically very obsessed with a beloved princess who left us almost 25 years ago, Princess Diana. Um, they've got so much time that they just keep making shows and movies about it. Is it because of their wanting to express their artistic integrity? No, it's because it's anniversaries of her death and there's money to be made. Yes. We call this, ladies and gentlemen, the Diana Industrial Complex. I will turn it to you for a minute. Okay. Well, sure. we, we need to get to Diana the Musical, but I do have a momentary thought of the Diana Industrial Complex because it does feel like we are just besieged besieged with Diana stuff and it's a little it's a little weird like you see one or two things you're like oh yeah that's right we are coming up on it and I guess you know it's kind of modern history I could see why they did this mm -hmm. and you have the crown and it just seems logical that you get to that but then you have yeah you know the Spencer movie and then her book is being re-released and you know one thing after another after another and um when Gandhi won best picture I'm getting going somewhere that is just Bear with me. When Gandhi won Best Picture, someone, I can't remember who, joked that, you know, the reason why is because Gandhi is everything that the members of the Academy want to be. He's tan, moral, and thin. Wow, I love it. He said that. <laughs> I don't remember, but it was good. <laughs> and I kind of feel like the Diana Industrial Complex, it's like the making of a modern saint. It's a saint who gets to be treated as a saint in modern sensibilities without ever having to give up anything or stop wearing designer clothing or yeah. going to fabulous parties or being incredibly wealthy. So or it's things. a saint yeah. of it's a saint for the area era of image over. Oh. That's awesome, Malia. That's really <laughs> that's that's no, that's really astute. Ah, and here I've put it all in this podcast. <laughs> I've used it up. That was my astuteness. Oh, <laughs> there were so there like when when she first died, it was such a shock, and it was this this hybrid of uh, of history and the 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 last half of the twentieth century was all about movie stars and glamour being accessible, and the 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 birth of the pop culture media that we know and all of that was like hybridized in this young woman, and then a lot of us like frankly grew up with her. And the things we were going through, we watched her go through in public. And there was no social media then or anything like that. But like, you know, five years after her really sudden and tragic death, we understood that there would be tell-all books and biographies and the untold story and all of this stuff. But, you know, 
and then there's this fascination around her son's loves li- love lives and their weddings and the recollections of that very sad funeral. And it kept the interest in her story and beauty alive, pretty much a tragic evergreen story for our, the remaining lifetimes that we have, right? So around 2017, that was the 20th anniversary of her, her death in Paris. And the media hype started to really heat up again, right? And... Um, there was an anniversary BBC or US network special. You know, we could all understand that. But then there is this really strange movie, Diana, with Naomi Watts in it. And it's it's it makes me mad now when I watched clips of it on YouTube while I was thinking about this show. Just it made her really look like like unhinged and and just obsessed with her boyfriend and and unhappy and and, and you know, those things happened. I mean that. But I will say it was the first one to take a close peer at her relationship with Pakistani uh, surgeon Hasnat Khan. But it really kind of focused on her obsession with him. She and why she wanted to be with him. You know, he was a doctor and she she kept imagining herself taking up with someone in her next act where they could be philanthropists abroad. Does that sound familiar? Yeah, I don't know why that brings a bell. Yeah, and then the relationship really unglued her. But for some reason, we still get to see gross James Hewitt everywhere. Whereas, like, Khan was, like, a pretty decent guy who never talked about her, ever, let alone capitalize on that relationship. So then, like, you know, in the past few years, we all get, like, for the anniversary of her death, a special edition of Hello and People magazines. Yeah, we all understand that. But like I said, about five years ago, the media went full blast again in Diana because it always guarantees eyeballs and money for them. And you can see like various in her own words specials or as we remember her specials or, you know, Queen of Hearts specials. And then like a myriad of like lowbrow conspiracy theory programming. But now we're coming up on the 25th. And so more big Hollywood movies showing her as young, a hot mess, crying out and twirling in beautiful dresses is upon us. And the one that many of you have probably been able to see at this point, because it's on Netflix, is Diana the Musical. Oh, my God. This is still fresh for me, because I didn't (laughs) want to, like, you know, I took notes, but I watched it last night. And, oh, my God. I think we were, I was hoping, I didn't think it was going to be good. I'm I'm not a fool. (laughs) But I was hoping for... Campy entertainment. Yeah. But no. No, with one very big exception, which we will get to shortly. <laughs> it was not campy entertainment. It was... It, it, it really is the summit of Diana Industrial Complex. Like, every, every trope about Diana is stuffed into this and treated with complete seriousness and sincerity. And I mean, it's weird because the actual Diana did have charm and likability. The Diana in this musical does not, but everyone keeps telling you that she does. (laughs) (laughs) And this, by the way, just for the sake, like this is not a diss on any of the actors or any of their like singing or anything like that. The singing was fine. The songs were not fine. (laughs) But the fine. The costumes were fine. The, you know, dancing was performed competently. (laughs) (laughs) 
all of the professionals involved, I'm sure, did the absolute best they could with the thing that they had to do. Um, it's just that sometimes, as I tell my son, who also loves theater, sometimes you just get a role and like all you can do is just the best you can do. You can't make it a good role. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I have, I wrote down like lines, practically the whole thing is sung, by the way. I think musical like undersells it. It's almost an operetta. Wow. Yeah, there you go. That's the right word. Because... Like, I was actually just desperate for them to talk sometimes. <laughs> like, please just talk. Because they give you so much exposition in yeah. song form. They're just throwing it at you. There's like, you know, we start right off and Elizabeth is telling Charles, it was fine when you were new, but now you're 32. What's a monarch to do? Oh, and by the way, that's just like, that is how they go all the time. Like, that is like a perfect representation of the lyrical <laughs> sense. When I was 31, being a bachelor was fun. <laughs> yes, exactly <laughs> like that. And it's all this sort of like rock, like rock opera kind of style, like completely forgettable. I couldn't, I couldn't hum a bar now if I had to. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, just a ton of like, you know, so we start like, you know, you have to find a wife. And oh my God, I don't. Who doesn't have a life? <laughs> we need a word for this kind of foreshadowing, where it's not really foreshadowing anymore. <laughs> like where it's not so much foreshadowing as grabbing the audience by the lapels and being like, "Remember." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, again, first song right out the gate. You have Elizabeth, and you know. Charles and Camilla's there for some goddamn reason, singing seemingly the perfect girl, and then the chorus comes in for the worst job in England. <laughs> like, no, by the way, it is not the worst yeah. job in England. Like, there are worse jobs. I promise you there are worse jobs than Princess of Wales. <laughs> but, like, you know, hospital janitor. I don't know. I could just spend yeah. some time on this. Job in England. I'm thinking Morgue England. assistant. Coal miner in Wales. That's a pretty bad one. That's a bad one. Yeah. Um, there's also the chorus also in the same song sings a fairy tale born in hell. Like, huh. yes, yes, we get it. We understand. This is like a bad. She's very hopeful, but we all know that's not going to work out. Like, what would you do if no one knew this story? That's actually what this I kept thinking. The stuff of dreams until the young lady screams. Do they tell us about her virginity? Of course they do. <laughs> Camilla skulks around, but they have to tell us who she is because, the like, otherwise. So unspoken is that her lady part is unbroken. <laughs> That's actually wittier than whatever they actually said. <laughs> and it's just like that. It's all like that. There's like this little, like, momentary respite when they go see Bach, and we can, and, like, oh, Michelle starts to play oh, yeah. Air on the G string. <laughs> And then, um, and then they just change it into like a modern rocks, like opera sort of kind of song about how boring Charles is and his high culture snobbery and how Diana would rather listen to Elton John and go to a disco. So that this is like this whole scene is so we can see how out of touch Charles is this whole dance and like, because he likes Bach when the people really like Adam Ant real call out in the song Adam Ant, which... <sighs> Love that. Uh, 
And then Diana stands up on her chair and like rips off the bottom part of her dress or something like that so that it turns into like a semi not quite Madonna-ish thing. Perhaps this girl could turn him into a rocker. And then the chorus comes in with, this is how your people dance. And I bring this up because... (laughs) It's hard to explain exactly with words what happens, but it involves the whole chorus dancing like, you know, this is how your people dance. But it's not like, well, we are talking about the English, so maybe this is how the people danced. But it's sort of like akin to like what you see at a middle class wedding. (laughs) but So I'm not really sure what the great social statement here is. Broken. <laughs> I completely believe that Charles could have danced like that had he chosen to. <laughs> We're not talking about, you know, the hustle or anything that required hip movement. Um, anyway, and then there's the paparazzi song. Did you remember this paparazzi song? Of course there's yeah, the paparazzi click, song. click, click, whatever it was. Like, snap, click, 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 snap, yeah. click. <laughs> It's like, I don't, like, there was actual more exposition, but then all the paparazzis are going, snap, click, snap, click. Snap, click, snap, click. That's what it was. (laughs) Oh, my God. And then Barbara Cartland is in it for some reason. She just keeps showing up. Her, her, that grandmother? Yeah, something like that. Like, we go through this whole thing where they're like, by the way, I'm a, I love Barbara Cartland novels, and I'm, you know, related to Barbara Cartland, and I'm like, I'm sure that in the 80s, this was, like, very relatable, but at this moment, it's not. It's very strange. <laughs> here we have, we have uh, I have a little excerpt from The Guardian, what I always love reading reviews in The Guardian. It says, uh, not since the Cats movie have I literally shouted from my seat, What? 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 <laughs> Only by having Diana ride on stage on the back of a jellical cat, this could be more bizarre. If it was deliberate satire, it would be genius. But it's not, like you said, right? It's saucer-eyed retelling of the life of Diana, Princess of Wales, with bobbing chorus lines of footmen and flunkies, who, with a costume change, morph into step-in time phalanxes of snarling tabloid hacks, while Diana solemnly warbles downstage about her loneliness and determination in a pool of follow spotlight. <laughs> there's they, they do these things like i know you must have noticed like when they do the whales trip where the you know they're new married and they're like falling in love or whatever or trying to make it work and they go to whales and it's so clearly influenced by evita it's so clearly I meant to, along to it but i'm like wait i'm singing from evita yeah. i know rainbow tour and so all i could do is think about evita but i thought about evita very much in the way that a man in the desert thinks about gatorade <laughs> more bad news from wales she tried to speak welsh (laughs) and and i feel like i think all the rest of us except madonna understood that in evita evita is not a good person (laughs) like we're not supposed to like i mean we all have to like her but she's not to emulate we're not supposed to be like go evita (laughs) It's like, yeah, it's satire that we're like watching her rise. That's the point. And yet we're seeing like, but they're making Diana Evita. It's just, it's mind boggling. It's mind boggling. Okay, so more lyrics. Darling, I'm holding our son. So let me say jolly well done. Uh... And then of course there's, that's Charles's line. Here's um, Diana. Harry, my ginger-haired son, you'll always be second to none. Which, they love the rhyme. Um, 
the vast yeah. majority of at the 40 minute mark, I'm like, so this is just about like them bickering and being ill suited. Like it's just 40 minutes of singing about how you're ill suited. And then I noticed, I mean, it's two hours. That's when I noticed I was only at 40 minutes. Oh, <laughs> there's a. Stop being a martyr. Why can't you be smarter? Chorus, Diana. <laughs> <laughs> That's Charles's line, by the way. That's part of She Moves in the Most Modern Ways, which, as far as I can tell, is just a song about how she, like, buys new dresses um, <laughs> and now starts to make a social impact. She also has a line, serves me right for marrying a Scorpio. Ah, nice. That was a line. Yeah, there's a, like I said, a very long segment there about changing the world via your improved fashion choices. And then I will say the one moment that does not make it worth it. Don't watch, but like find this moment and then just watch this moment. <laughs> you too, <did. laughs> Yes. Um, Barbara Cartland shows up again um, to this time before she showed up to let us know about uh, that men cheat. Now she shows up again so that she can put a romantic gloss on Diana's affairs because Charles's affairs are very, very bad, but Diana's affairs are like sad and tragic and, you know, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And so she announces James Hewitt, who at that moment, lights down, spotlight comes up on the center of the floor. James Hewitt rises out of the floor, sitting on a saddle, shirtless, wearing riding boots, pants, and boots, and singing, James Hewitt! <laughs> I kid you not, my daughter made me watch this three times, just like reverse, like rebind, like that, because she thought it was hilarious. Hi, she also wanted God from Machine. It's an old operatic. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> she's also wants everyone to know that the actor who plays James Joe Hewitt has a tank top tan. <laughs> <laughs> James Hewitt. <laughs> Um, oh, one thing one is about writing. <laughs> one more time, like this is a like, current theme, and it actually is starting to irritate me a little bit in Diana movies. Is that gay men with AIDS get to be a little asterisk? Like, and now here's a moment with gay men with AIDS. Yeah, yeah. And now let's move on. And now let's move on. You know, like, there was, you know, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure they appreciate that. Those who are remaining or part of the her community. Yes. Um, mm -hmm. No, you know, a, a gay man with AIDS gets to come on and get his picture taken because now, witness my earlier point about modern sainthood, like it's really just enough to like raise awareness and get your photo taken. And that's pretty much like all you wasn't wearing really gloves. Yeah. That's really all you need to do in order to like change the world. Um, then they they have a catfight song. <laughs> that features the immortal line. It's the thriller in Manila between Diana and Camilla. Oh my God. <laughs> um, Andrew Morton gets a song about Diana, her story. Um, and then there's another song entirely about wearing the famous dress when Charles does the thing. Um, somehow they make it sound like this was some incredibly horish dress to like the public, which was not my recollection at all. Everyone was just like, oh, she looks great. Yeah, yeah. it looked like a slip dress, but the kind you do a dance number in. Yeah. Um, and it's a jazz uh, dancing dress. I think it says everything that in this musical, they called it the feck you dress. 
Oh, that's the black dress you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, the black off the shoulder number. Yes, yes. The night that Charles was talking about his love affair on television. Yes, the fuck you dress, which we have covered on the show. Oh, and then um, one thing I did notice, like two things that they slide in there. Early in one of Elizabeth's songs, she kind of implies that Philip cheated on her. Yes. Just in a throwaway line. Mm-hmm. And then at the very end, like literally how when they're doing her death, um, that you know, Diana's singing about, you know, leaving all of this behind because they've got the divorce and so on and so forth. And she sings about if Charles steps aside and lets William reign, all I have done won't be in vain. And I'm like oh, that's, a, that's commentary that wasn't necessary. Yeah, I was like, so, I mean, clearly this suggests that Charles needs to step down to honor Diana's wishes. And since this is just, this is pure Diana porn, I don't don't know what else to call it. (laughs) But like, you know, Charles is a villain through it all to a kind of ridiculous extent, like even more so than he is in The Crown, where he's just sort of an awkward, you know, mess. He's just been pilloried. Like just for the past couple years, whether you think you that he deserves it or not, really isn't important to me. That's why I turn off the comment section. But he's yeah. being read like all like more than necessary. Yeah, I confess that he's not the world's most likable guy, but he didn't. It's all very just ordinary. <laughs> the whole thing. The whole thing, like the whole like, oh, he married Camilla, blah blah blah. I'm like, well, you know, his being with Camilla didn't kill Diana. Whatever people think, it's not like they have blood on their hands because they got together, and he actually did marry her, and they didn't and love since they were practically teenagers. So, like, if you saw that in a, a family member, you'd be upset about the divorce or whatever, sad, but you wouldn't be like, oh, at least they got married, you know? I mean, what? what yeah, they, they didn't set up her death. Yeah, it's it's very. I, words cannot express how awful this musical. <laughs> <laughs> the English language has not evolved to the point where I can use mere language words to describe the experience of watching this. Well, but what did I, you think? I, what, I, <laughs> I, what I think doesn't matter. But what Howard Stern thought made me laugh so hard I had to pull my car over. <laughs> so, I listened to Howard Stern. I'm a devoted fan. And he was talking about these movies coming out like we are like, what's all this about all of a sudden and there's let her rest in peace. And, you know, she was amazing, but my God, would you want this made about you after you're dead? Like, how is this a tribute in any possible way? And um, <laughs> like, yeah, I want a musical made about me when I was 19. That would just work. That would be so much fun for me to watch. I'm sure Diana would love to watch this, you know? So like he was, what he did was before it came out, they play, they had like him singing what he thinks is going on in Diana's head. And they play like just rando Broadway music. Like, (laughs) and so I'm going to paraphrase Howard Stern, paraphrasing Diana to give you a synopsis of the the musical. Oh my God, I found a prince. Look at all this attention. Wait, this sucks. (laughs) (laughs) You love a woman who's a horse. Now look how hot I am. Look at my ass. What's wrong with you? <laughs> Camilla's all like, your wife is a nutball. I'll always appreciate your noble causes. <laughs> <laughs> These flash bulbs are scary. Why won't you leave me alone? But wait, look how hot I am. <laughs> I love diastrates and you love opera. Wow, this is boring and it sucks. 
I just want to be normal and go to a car wash and wait in line like every other jerk out there. And then finally, the paparazzi are chasing me and my boyfriend. God forbid our picture ends up in the papers tomorrow morning. Driver, please speed up and drive into that dark tunnel. Uh, that was how he paraphrased the whole musical. And then he watched it and then he's like, I predicted it. But he predicted it just like that. I know. That's the, that's, that's the amazing thing. Like that was actually much more concise. And I would have preferred that experience <laughs> because I'm it pretty sure. much covers everything that happened, but much more quickly. Like her demise was like, they don't show her dying. They don't shoot her. So we were like, oh God, it would be so horrible singing while she's dying or something like that. They actually like reined it in on that. But there's yes. just this whole like her singing from a like from beyond. Yeah, she walks into the flash bulbs, which are also the stars or heaven or something. Yeah. Wow. A metaphor for what? I do not know. <laughs> Dude, but... it was so deep. <laughs> <laughs> so deep, man. And so now we've got this weekend, uh, I don't really have much to say about it because I haven't seen it and I don't want to judge anything I haven't seen, but uh, Spencer, the movie starring Kristen Stewart. Um, and this movie, this film focuses on one particular weekend that transformed her as an adult woman. We're like, this is it moment. And this is up at Sandringham at Christmas, I think 1992 or 93, where the Royals spend a formal Christmas together every year. Um, I see in the uh, in the previews, lots of twirling and dresses of women and angst and stuffiness with her, like just trying to be a girl and get love. And I don't know, but you know, I've heard it. It's actually also the guardian, which I do look to for my snark, um, gave it a really good review as an artistic film. So I, I don't know what to say. I have to see it. I'll tell you next time. Yeah. I mean, thank you for taking one for the team. <laughs> okay, I will. <laughs> I'm almost, I'm almost at Diana capacity. So I can under, I can see individual things of these being good. You know, good actors, good director, good writer. Directors, yeah. You know, I don't think that you know a topic is automatically off limits or that it has to be bad. But at the same time, I am heartily sick <laughs> of the weird. Diana Industrial Complex. Yes, of the Diana Industrial Complex, the canonization of Diana. And on some level, it bothers me a little bit because it's not that I think that she is unworthy of admiration, far from. Um, But there's this weird thing where we take people and we remove their humanity and make them into some symbol that satisfies our own needs. Yeah. That's right. And that really irritates me. <laughs> I think there's a psychological term for it. I'll, I'll revisit that uh, for a future episode where you, where people really feel like they know news presenters who die or, or like they feel like they know, or news presenters are like, they really felt like they knew Jane Pauley or something like that. And if something happened to Jane Pauley, you feel all defensive. It's like that kind of thing. Yeah. You're imposing some, some need you have onto this person that doesn't even know you. Yeah, and so at the more that happens, the more whoever she was is lost. Yeah, and we just get this this symbolic person, whether it's this hot mess or this modern saint or you know whatever it is that you you need to make her into. Case in and, point, uh, Marilyn Monroe. Yeah, exactly like Marilyn Monroe. Don't which, stop that song. Don't do it. Don't even. No, oh, <laughs> I feel like no. No, let's quickly change the subject. Okay, I I, I put it out of my mouth and like wait, don't. And everyone's going to have that in their head after this. Shoot, it's too late. It's done. It's too late. It's too late. I'm sorry. <laughs> Apologies. We have to do the podcast right now. Okay. So I'm Anne. 
And I'm Malia. Listen to Metallica right now. We are the royal subjects. Until next time. Thank you.